Um, have you guys ever thought something or you'd been thinking something, mulling something, and you don't know if you're crazy, you don't know if you're hearing the Lord right, you don't know if you're really interpreting scripture the way it should be interpreted. Any of you guys ever thought that? Maybe I'm the only crazy one. Okay, I have five crazy ones here. Awesome, come and join us afterwards and we'll have a crazy party. What we're, what we're talking about in Ephesians 4 for years, I, what I saw in the church and what I read in Ephesians 4 wasn't lining up. And I didn't understand what was going on. And I began just to ask the Lord, and Lord, what, what's going on? Why do I read here Jesus is giving gifts so that we would go on to maturity, but yet the church has been immature for decades? Why does God's word say that we'll grow up and we'll not be like infants tossed to and fro, but how come we're tossed to and fro? How come we're still having to deal with the elementary truths that Paul or the author of Hebrews says in Hebrews 6, you should have left those elementary teachings long ago and gone to the meat? Why are we still drinking milk? Have you guys ever asked those questions? Maybe because I'm pastor, I ask these questions. But this was even before. And so I like reading people that give practical solutions and help for the church. Uh, Brett Matlack turned me on to Alan Hirsch. As a matter of fact, the characteristics that we'll talk about today, I gleaned from his book. And when I began to read what he was saying, he put into words what I was feeling. I just didn't have the vocabulary to accurately describe what God had put in my heart. And when I started reading this book, 5Q and APES, that Brad talked about several weeks ago, it was like I was validated. You know, it's like, I'm not crazy. There is a truth that God wants us to grasp in the body of Christ that we need to get a hold of it, hang on to it, and not let go of it. Are you with me? I don't know if you've thought on different issues in the Bible, but these are things that I've mined out in my own time with the Lord in the closet, asking Him for truth. And I don't have it all. I don't know how it all pans out. But I do know this, that if we're going to be a transformational church, Ephesians 4 has to be one of our foundational stones that we lay. We can no longer just be happy to come, sing, you know, well, we can't tap each other or give each other a hug, give a viral virtual bump or elbow. We can't be happy with that. We have, there has to be this passion within us to see the kingdom of God begin to explode in our city. That we're not just happy with coming to a gathering. We're not just happy 
with feeling good today and then going and doing our routine the following week. There's got to be something inside of us that God's word begins to take and move us to where we start taking steps towards transformation. I don't have all the answers, but I do know God's word does for us. And so today, when we talk, about the apostle, the prophet, evangelist, shepherd and teacher. It's not a job title. I come against that erroneous teaching in the name of Jesus. You see, some of you have bought it. You've bought that lie. Well, that's why we need one man. There's an apostle. Or we need a prophet or we need a teacher, we need a pastor, a shepherd, an evangelist. When Jesus gave these gifts to you and I, and guess what? You're the gift. You're the gift. Some of you function as apostles. Well, Craig, I'm not like the original 12. Listen, get over that. Get over it. You function. Remember the characteristics I gave to you? You're going, wow, that's me. Some of you today are going to understand the prophetic and prophet. You'll go, wow, that's the way I think. That's the way I'm wired. Guess what? God wants you to walk and function as prophets in our day. Not just me. Well, Craig, you're going to be the guy. You're the main one. TC's gonna be the shepherd. No, 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 no. We all. That's the beauty of the body. We make up many parts. Same way with the teacher. Same way with the evangelist. So let's go through them and look through them real quick and talk through. And what I want you to do is ask the Lord, Lord, which one of those do I function in? You see, when you understand that you're supposed to function in this, you're without excuse to do the stuff. You have no excuse tomorrow when you go to work to be Jesus in the marketplace. You can't say, well, I wish I'd call Pastor Craig and have him come to my office and pray for someone. No, guess what? You begin to pray for them. You begin to lay hands on them. You allow the Holy Spirit to fill you, to give you boldness, and all of a sudden you go up to him and say, can I pray for you for healing? Now she may say, no, don't start crying. Say, okay, well, I'm going to pray for you, pray for you on my own. But if she says yes, guess what you get to do? You lay your hands. I don't have COVID. <laughs> You lay your hands. You don't have to pray a flowery prayer. You don't even have to use King James. For some of you, you're getting free right now. You're getting real free right now. You don't even have to say, Lord, you're the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I pray for healing for my sister in Jesus' name. Now, is that scary? Did you feel anything? Oh, sorry. No, you didn't? Oh. You see, when we understand that this is a function 
and you understand what your function is, then you're set free to walk in it. You're set free to be who God's called you. Remember in Proverbs where it says, train up a child in the, the way it will go and he'll do what? He'll not depart. It literally means in his bent. In the way God put him together, not your desire for him to be a lawyer or a doctor, but what is that bent? Is it artistic? Is it mechanical? What is that bent? You see, with that, there's also these functions that God's equipped that young person with too. It's time for us to release the young people with the function of the fivefold. You say, well, Craig, they need to be older. Really? Jesus says, unless we become like children, we'll never enter the kingdom of heaven. They don't have the baggage that we have. Okay, sorry, that's free of charge. All right, so profit. Let's just go through. I'm, I, you can get the notes. I have it on PowerPoint. Um, but I want you to ask the Lord as we're going, Lord, is this kind of the area I function in? Prophet, they want to hear what the Lord's saying. That's primary for them. They want to hear what the Lord's saying. They want to see what he's doing. Remember when Jesus in John 5, he said, I only do what? Exactly what I see my father doing. The heart of someone that's a prophet or prophetic, they want to hear God. They want to see, see what he's doing. They don't want to do it themselves, and they want to feel what he's feeling. Also, prophets are heart revealers of the Lord. They want to share what the heart of the Lord is. They don't care about what the politics are of the day. They don't care about this or that. They just want to convey his heart. And they want everyone to get his heart. They want to grasp onto that. Secondly, they're more concerned about God than man. Most people that have a function, a prophet, could care less what men say. They are not men pleasers. They don't have the fear of the Lord. And they are more concerned that God gets the glory and honor than any man. They're the pursuers of his heart. They ask pointed questions. Now there's different functions here. They'll ask questions, but the ones that I know, they ask very pointed questions. They also address the gap between God, what God is saying and our obedience. In other words, they want us to hear the Lord, but then they want us to be obedient to what God's saying. They want us to begin to take steps if we're not. Also, and our responsibility to obey. So we see with prophets, they're really revealing the heart of the Lord. That's why when I was reading Alan Hirsch's book, he put a vocabulary especially to the prophets that I had had in my heart that I just didn't know how to articulate. 
I would stumble and fumble and bumble. But when I read it, it was like light. It gave me the understanding even for myself. My primary is prophet. And so it began to give me understanding, even in my function and the reason I do things that I do and the things that I believe is because that's the way God has fashioned me. You know, prophets can be misunderstood a lot of times. So one of the things that my heart's been heavy on is sometimes there's craziness with the prophets. For instance, I listened to an interview. Sid Roth had two prophets on his show. And I had listened to one before, and I was listening to both of them. Sid Roth point blankly said, is, is Donald Trump going to win again? First guy goes, absolutely, hands down, the Lord said. The second guy goes, yeah, there's no question about it. He's decreed it in the heavens. He's decreed it on the earth. And I'm, I'm, I'm thinking, then we have someone calling angels from Africa. Listen, guys, that's berserkness. That's craziness. And, we, and then here's the thing, especially if we're charismatic, we get all excited and we think we feel angel wings flapping all around and the wind is stirring and... And we get moved, and we've not rightly discerned the word of the Lord. And I'll talk a little bit about that in a minute. Where's the accountability in the body of Christ? Because in the context of Ephesians 4, it's in the corporate gathering, the corporate body of Christ. But most of the prophets, apostles that you see today are not affiliated with a local congregation where they submit to the leadership, where they submit to the eldership, but they're out on their own. That's a warning sign. Anybody that's not willing to submit to the local church, there's something philosophically wrong. But you know, a lot of times we think prophets are grouchy, always pointing the finger, turn or burn, you're going to hell. You know, we kind of think of John the Baptist. They wear funky clothes, eat funky food, and stand out in the river saying, repent, repent, repent. Well, John the Baptist was an Old Testament prophet. But in the Old Testament, we did see judgment. Hebrews 1 says, in the past, God spoke through his prophets, but today he speaks through his son. Now think about that. When Jesus died, he gave gifts for the church so that we would be the representation, the manifestation of Jesus in this earth. We would be his body representing him. We're told to test prophecy 
and to hold false prophets to account. You see, as I've traveled over the years, we'll go in and they'll have prophet so-and-so and apostle so-and-so speaking along with me. And they'll come in there and they'll make all these audacious and wrong claims and telling them they need to pay them. And the church applauds. They applaud it. They stand up and they even start dancing when the whole time it's deception and it's a lie. We are, as a body of Christ, if someone would come and say, I'm a prophet in my body and they in, in the body of Christ, and they came here and they gave a word, we would test it. And if it was false, me or one of the elders would say, this is a false word. You're not to receive this word. Ushers come and escort him out roughly. No, I'm just kidding. But see, we accept things that are false instead of accepting what God's word said. So quickly, they question what has become normative. They help people to hear the voice of God. Listen, prophecy is about hearing God. It's not about getting a word. It's about intimacy. Anybody can prophesy. That's what 1 Corinthians tells us. But it's more than just getting a word. It's about intimacy and hearing the heart of the Father. They're wired for passion for the heart of God. Is that for some of you right now? Conscious about all that's sacred and what is broken. They bridge that gap of what's sacred and what's broken. Their heart longs for the body to be healed. Prophets are wired for prayer and warfare. I know some in our church, man, that is them. They want to pray. They want to go to battle. There's spiritual warfare going on. They're wired for transformation. They're not just wired for nice little results, but they want to see people, families, cities, nations transformed. In the Old Testament, God used to speak through them, but it was judgment. Get your house in order. In the New Testament, it's about grace and salvation. Jesus is our example. Yes, He dealt with the religious leaders of his day, but the tax collectors, the sinners, the prostitutes, they hung out with them and they said he was one that taught with authority. But yet he knew what was in their heart. He knew what they were doing, but he didn't condemn them. Remember John chapter 8? The woman caught in the very act of adultery, they bring him, They used the word against the word, which I thought was always kind of funny. But they said, hey, the Bible says that you're the stoner. True. And then Jesus, you know the story, says he was without sin, cast the first stone. And he says, where's all your condemners? She said, they're gone. He goes, neither do I condemn you. He's setting a new precedent for the prophetic. He's setting a new precedent for a prophet. It disturbs, he disturbs common thinking and practices. This has gotten me in trouble more times than I can say. 
He agitates for positive change, or she, because there are prophetesses. Desires learning for the purpose to influence. Seek to ensure an authentic response to truth. Listen, we don't want a manufactured response. We want an authentic response to the gospel, to the leading of the Holy Spirit. Core issue is one's relationship with God. They care about your relationship. Urgency is felt now in the moment. This must happen. Comfortable dismantling the present for the future hope. Deep compassion for the cause of people inspires all people to respond to God's message, may communicate creatively to get messages across. So now you've gotten some characteristics. This is how they function. This is not everything, but this is partial. Maintaining the God focus. Everything we do has to be God focused. Christ has to be the center of everything. If not, the prophet is going to get up and say something. He's going to say, we're out of order. We're not doing what God's word says. And they'll address that. Maintaining covenantal bounds throughout the church, through an organization, love, passion, and responsibility. Cultivating commitments to social justice and commitments to respect the poor. Engaging in spiritual warfare. Speaking truth with power. Encouraging repentance to maintain the God relationship. Maintaining and cultivating a holy imagination of life under God's rule and covenant. Developing prophetic sensibilities in leaders and ministers. Listen, like the person, the pastor that was calling angels from Africa. How many of you heard about that? I'm just like, what well, is so bizarre? The angels going here, we're going, we got enough problems here. We ain't going to America. It's crazy. Maintaining the soul or heart of the organization. Renouncing idolatry and false forms of worship. Maintaining the integrity and authenticity to the founding uh, values. Now, here's some blind spots that we can have. How many of you, just listening to that, think you may function as a prophet? Don't, don't be embarrassed. Okay, one, two, three, four. Okay, awesome. So, here's what the enemy says. Oh, you shouldn't have raised your hand. Now you're going to get called forth to prophesy. No, 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 no. But see, now you can begin to hone that function that God's given you. They can be disrespectful for all you that raised your hands. At times, we can be disrespectful. Our passion can become demanding on everyone else. What God is speaking to my heart or your heart we expect everybody else to have the same intensity and passion. Joe knows exactly what I'm talking about. But when you're up here passionate or talking with someone and they're not there, you can become condemning. I'm guilty. Um, they can be laser set on truth 
and become short-sighted and simplistic. And then a call to conviction can become critical and condemning. So if you don't have the same type of passion that I have, then obviously you don't love Jesus. Obviously you need to repent. Have you ever heard that? Yeah, many times. I've said it a couple of times. But I repented. All right? So how do they contribute to the health of the body? Real quick. Key anchor. They are a key anchor in the movement of God's value and heart. Ephesians 2, 20. You need to memorize this. This is why the church is out of balance. It has built the church on the evangelist and the shepherd and the teacher. Where Ephesians 2.20 says it is built on the, on the foundation of the apostles and the prophets. Why the church is out of balance? We've put people in wrong places, put in wrong functions, and that's why we're immature. That's why we're not growing the way God intended us to grow. Now the evangelists, they care about getting the message out. The gospel, the gospel, the gospel, the good news. They want to clearly communicate the gospel and they want to see the power of God operate in presenting the gospel. They want and expect response after the gospel is shared. They want to constantly make way for opportunities and invitations for people to come to Christ to share the message both within here and outside, wherever we go. Each person has value and worth to the church and his kingdom. And so they too can be one that presents the gospel. The evangelist loves to recruit people. They love to recruit them for the gospel message and send them out. Send them out wherever and send them to the other ends of the earth. Now, some of you are saying, that's not me, that's not my function, but let me remind you, every one of us is called to be a witness. Acts 1.8, and they receive power, why? To be as witnesses. Every one of us is called to be a witness. Every one of us is called to make disciples. You can't check out on the evangelists and say, well, I'm not an evangelist, so hey, that's for somebody else. But every one of us is called to be a witness. They're persuasive. They're excellent recruiters. They're infectious with people, persuasive personalities, great social connector. They love bringing people together. They're really positive, good news. So how many of you that function fits you. Now, in some ways, it fits all of us, but let me see your hands. Is that anybody? We have no evangelists? Oh my gosh, we're in trouble. All right, got one here, here. Ollie? Ollie is, is our secret weapon. All right, so blind spots. They can be driven. You know, whenever we're driven and not led, we're out of the will of God. They can do anything, do whatever it takes just to get people in the kingdom. Pam and I grew up under a church like that. 
and you just wonder how many people actually got saved. Um, they can be not demanding enough when it comes to salvation, yes, but once you get in the door, okay, you're in the family, you're in the kingdom. Um, they mistake being involved in church as being equipped and trained. Listen, you accepted Jesus, now you're in the church, so you're equipped and trained, and that's not true. So how do they contribute to the health of the body? They make the gospel the core thing. If they're not seeing people be, come to Christ, it bugs them. They're agitated. It's like, what the heck's going on with KVC? Why aren't people flocking to the front? Why aren't people being saved during the week? That, that for them constantly stirs us in that. Um, people being added to the family, sharing the message wherever we go. All right, quickly, shepherds, pastors, they are nurturers. You know, I told someone this the other day, TC is probably more of a shepherd than I am. I, and very, you know, and he took the test too, but it, there's times I'm just thinking he should be the, he should be the pastor here, not me. You know, I want to blow things up. TC's like, you know, we really need to kind of gather everybody and we need to ask the question, how are you doing today? I'm like, forget asking him that. Throw the grenade, you know. And he balances me out. I mean, I can't tell you the number of times. But they're nurturers. Their community is important to them. A sense of belonging living healthily in the love of God, thus the family illustration. That it's important that the family come together. Emphasis on healing, inner healing, wholeness and community. Relationships are important to, to a shepherd, to a t uh, pastor. Relationships are key. Emphasis or intimacy with the Father, and then your own personal transformation growing in the Lord, cultivating and integrating people into the community, getting them plugged in. But here's some blind spots. They can have an obsessive need for harmony and no conflict. I just wish everybody would love one another. We all sing, Kumbaya, my Lord, Kumbaya. You know, and it can become obsessive. Here's the truth. How many of you are married here? How many of you 100% of the time have harmony and unity? Exactly. <laughs> Eric Hagman, come forward and repent. <laughs> that's not because that's a picture. Our marriage is a picture of the church. And there's not always going to be unity and harmony. And sometimes there's dysfunction and disagreements and arguments. And you don't speak to each other for a couple of weeks or days. Hopefully that's not here. We quickly make amends. Aversion to risk. Shepherds kind of like to stay right in the middle. They're not, not overly risk takers. They will or conflict, uh, they also many times carry the people's burdens. 
and problems instead of releasing it to the Lord. Teacher. How many of you think you're teachers here? All right. Seth, Brad, Benedictor. All right. They're mediators of wisdom and understanding. They love to equip with the Word of God and train and educate. Not just facts, but bringing truth together. Help people with theological formation. Why we believe. Why do we do what we do? And helping them get past some of the hurdles. Also, they're instructional. They have a strong desire to integrate truth, especially revealed truth. They can be intellectual and philosophical. You know, the first time I ever had a lunch meeting with Seth, I had to go home and open the dictionary and look up about 20 words. I nodded like I understood what he was talking about. I was like, I'm an idiot. I don't understand a word he said. You know, have you ever talked with someone and they're like, and he was like talking like I knew what I, that he understood. But they, they can be very philosophical and intellectual. They want to spark curiosity, learning, knowledge, and the intellect. I think sometimes in Christianity, especially in the charismatic realm, and I'm charismatic, we have a tendency to throw the brain out. You know what I'm talking about? It's just like what I felt today. Well, feelings are fickled. They're up and down, but God's word does not change, and it is true. So there is that side. Strong desire to assimilate the word of God through reading, understanding of scripture. Again, tie it all together. Historical context. What is it saying in the context of reading? Understanding the history, the background, all of that stuff. I love it when Seth preaches. It's like, wow, that's amazing. I told him the other day we were having lunch. I love to learn that stuff. I just don't like digging it out. But I like for him to dig out all the information. And then I'm like, yeah, 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 that's right. Any of you with me? How many of you are researchers here today? You love researching. Okay. All right. God bless you. Next project, preaching project, you'll do my research for me. All right. Blind spots can be dogmatic. We don't have that here with our teachers. They're very humble, um, but you can be dogmatic. Sometimes lack urgency can be overly critical over certain areas of scripture and people's belief in that area and may choose to be right over relationships. Now, these are general. So probably every one of you here fit in one, two, three, whatever of these. But there's usually a primary that you operate in. All right? So I want to close with this. If we just had the apostle, we'd be out of balance. If we just had apostolic leadership, then we would have a tendency to be hard driving. There would constantly be pushing, 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 pushing. 
But the beauty of Jesus' plan is that we would be out of balance if it was just the apostles. That's why he gave five of us, or five of them, so that we would be balanced. And usually, my experience with churches that are apostolic, or call them apostolic, or apostles, it's usually one person, and that one person has all the power. I believe that is absolutely contrary to what Jesus says about the New Testament church. If we're all prophet leaders, the church, there are many churches that I know in the States that say they're a prophetic church. And it's all centered around about giving a word or getting a word. The problem with that is God wants this fivefold to equip the body to learn how to dig out the word for themselves. Too many people are saying, I want a word, I want a word. And Jesus is saying, I want to give you a word. Do you know my voice? Do you hear what I'm saying? God wants us to learn to hear his voice. Jesus said, my sheep what? Hear my voice. It doesn't say Craig tells you what to hear. And so we'd be out of balance if it's all prophetic. If it's all evangelists, we'd be obsessed with numerical growth. It would be about the numbers. Pam and I came from that church. We had this many this Sunday. Our offering was this month, much, and it was all about numerical growth. Jesus has called us not to make converts. Amen? What's he called us to do? Make disciples. If there's a shepherd pastor, the church will tend to not take risk. It'll play safe, play in the middle, be codependent and needy, and a lack of healthy conflict resolution can take place. If it's all the teachers, then there's a tendency just to be heady and not live out of our hearts where we're supposed to have the Word and the Spirit together. 